This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Hello, Marjorie. Oh, happy whatever day it is today. I have a correction <laughs> I have to make, so I'm sort of embarrassed. I'm even distracted oh. by my own embarrassment. No, what yes, happened? It's a very big deal because you know how you and I, even though we're not experts on anything, we like to get the yeah. facts right. Um, yeah. So in the nest... I was talking about a Norway spruce that I purchased. Yeah. And yeah, I that said, was exciting for you. It was exciting. Elizabeth, I said in the nest that it'll grow to be 180 feet tall. And I thought to myself, wow, that is a very large tree. I don't know how you're going to do a row of them. I believe I even questioned that. No, you did not. And here's the funny part of this. Oh, so no. they grow to be about 60 feet high at full okay. maturity. So I was t- off by three times. But here's the best part about you is, so when I listened back to it, I'm like, why did I say 180 feet? Oh, I love it. So I listened back to it, Elizabeth, and you are so sweet. You're like, huh, huh. (sighs) But you don't really question it. But there's like a little, you're like a little incredulous. But (laughs) being the professional that you are, you don't want to slow down the rhythm with being that person that feels the need to correct it in that moment. But that's the best part to me is like, so if you go back and listen to The Nest, just know I'm completely wrong and, and, and you're being completely gracious in it. But so for everybody out there that was thinking, 180 feet. (laughs) Totally wrong. Totally wrong. We do the best we can. We do do the best we We can. And if you're going to be wrong about something, I think that uh, the height of a mature tree is a pretty innocuous thing to be wrong about. But the beautiful thing is, is what it does show is a lesson in graciousness. Because I think we all know people who feel the need, and I'm sure I've been guilty of it in my life at some point, to correct at the expense of conversation. Yeah. And you did not. And it was it's, oh. it was such a great example of, you know what? Because probably in your head, you're like, eh, it's probably wrong. I think I was honestly in my head just too lazy to do the math. And just like, <laughs> I don't know. How many feet is that? How many people is that? Always when I'm thinking about how tall something is, I'm like, just divide it by six and think about like how many people that is. And then I, but then I don't even have the energy to do that. Right. Well, it, it, it's, it was funny to me as I was listening back to it. I'm like, what the hell? Cause I don't even know where that number came from. Like I'm going back to my notes. I don't even know where 180 feet came from. Just made it up. Just made it I up. I love it. 
That is very, very yes. good. Well, today we are talking about getting help when you need help, Marjorie. <laughs> Yeah, um, and go. we're talking specifically about help in child care because and sort of child care and household. I had I had sort of this flood of people close to me saying and even people who were not so close yeah. to me saying, what are you doing? And yeah. I remedied the situation. And I thought we could talk about that because I know you've been there before, too. So what we're discussing is this this concept. And, and let's just preface this by saying, yes, in a real sense, I mean, and actually this is what held me back from doing this, was feeling like this is so privileged to be able to hire people to help with things around my right. house. That it was almost like a barrier, the guilt of feeling like I should be able to do this. But then having the realization that I was cracking because I was doing all of this and I do have the resources to be able to to bring in some help. Well, it it was like really, it probably took me, I probably should have done this a year ago. And I was so like emotionally stuck in this idea that I shouldn't. I should be able to do it and I should not pay someone to do it because I know that other people can't pay someone to do it. It was a real vicious spinny cycle. Well, here's the thing. I think anytime when you decide that you're going to be a, a and and I'm going to use the expression working mother with the acknowledgement that any mother that stays at home as well is a working mother. I just right. don't know a woman working outside of the home. However you want to phrase it, I think that's probably a better way to put it. I think once you make that decision, that that is what you're going to do. And for a lot of women, it is a choice. For some women, it is not. And I think that's where it gets tricky is when it's a choice, it starts to feel like, well, I should do it all because I'm choosing to do this. You, you know what I mean? I just think there's a lot of psych- there's a lot of psychology sort of mixed into all of the decisions that you make once your children are here. Right. And so – I think the idea that if you are going to say, I'm going to pursue my career, I want to keep this on track, I need to do this for whatever reason, whether, I mean, some women don't need to go back to work, some women do, some men don't need to go back to work, some men do. I mean, it's every family is so, so particular, and the reasons Mm -hmm. why we do what we do is so distinct to our own families and our own histories that I think... When you listen to this today, just know that we are talking about our particular situations, which are distinct to us and to our own upbringings. I mean, my choices that I made of whether or not to work full time all the way through my kids, my children growing up or not, was a reflection of how I was raised. And so I think that all bundles into it, too. I mean, there's so much that goes into what what you want your family to look like. What I knew to be true for me is I couldn't do it all. I needed Mm -hmm. the help. And I was pretty good with that pretty early on, mostly because when I really went back to work and I was working freelance, I was living in the suburbs of Chicago and working downtown. And my day could go from 9 o'clock to 11.30 at night without me knowing that it was going to do that. If an edit session went late, it was going to go late. I had to have people that could be there if I needed them to be there. I mean, that didn't happen often, but that's the problem with, with, for me, that was the problem with daycare. My schedule is just much too unpredictable for that. And so let me hear how you feel about what you've done. 
Well, here's what's been happening. So for the past school year, you know, school is just coming to a close. And and this was our first year having Bernie in kindergarten. So we had a kindergartner. And then we have the boys. So Frankie and Heathcliff are in full-time daycare. Right. Okay, so their daycare has stayed open this whole time. Now, obviously, I mean, Heathcliff is only eight months old. So he was born. I was on maternity leave, all of that. Franklin's routine really stayed the same. For the school year... I had been piecemealing together all of these things just to sort of survive, which is what a lot of parents were doing. If you had a job and your kids weren't in school, then that's what you were doing. And it really didn't matter your income level. You're just trying to figure it out. You certainly have it easier if you had some money to spend on people to help um, than if you didn't. So everything has been super piecemealed and we haven't really been in any sort of routine. I mean, even when Bernie went back to school, when schools really opened here in Minnesota in February, she still has only been in school four days a week. And then I was piecing together after school care and some days my dad was picking her up and then some days I was paying for her to stay at after school care and all of these things. And she had a really wonderful experience at her after school care. The people are fabulous and it was such a great way for her to really get to know the school. That being said, it's a long day. You know, she's only six and she was going to school at, she gets there between eight and eight, 10 and I wasn't getting to her until five. And the mayhem that was ensuing in the evenings for me was quickly becoming totally unsustainable. So as the world starts to reopen, Jay is getting back to work and his job is is making friends with people and selling them stuff. So he has a lot of like relationship building things. He has a lot of like golf. You know, I talk about the golf. It's always about the golf. And then. (laughs) Well, it's an unpredictable schedule. Right. He has like things that come up. Hey, this guy can meet me for a beer at five. I got to go because I got to work on this relationship. You know, this is kind of how things go for us. And so it was ending up that I was picking up the kids now, Jay will argue and say it's only like one day a week, and I will tell you the reality is it's turning up to be like four days a week. Right. So I was literally walking off the set, Marjorie, at 4.26, okay? Ugh. I would go to the bathroom because I knew I had a long journey ahead of me. Right. So I'd run to the bathroom. I'd get to my car by 4.30. I would put pumps on, pumping. I'm pumping, okay? While I then dial into a conference call, a post-show conference call, okay, this is ridiculous I'm already. pumping on 94, yeah. heading east. That should okay. be illegal. Just let's say that. It probably is. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't like actually putting the pumps on. I had the pumps on in the parking lot and then I was driving, but I still think it's kind of distracting, you know, to have like milk being extracted from your boobs as you're driving down a freeway. But I don't know what else you guys want me to do. Okay. So then... I am driving. No, you're lucky while I'm on this conference in call. Minneapolis. That somebody can get a shot of that. I know, ridiculous. If you were in a semi truck and you saw my nipples, I don't really know how to excuse that. That's yeah. what's going on. Yeah, it happened. So I then it was on this conference call. I would pull in to get Bernie at five. You know, and she's just kind of like heading towards Meltdown City because she's yeah. tired. You know, she's happy and she had fun, but then she sees me. And you know what babies do when they see their moms? They like break, break everything down. that they've been storing up all day that they haven't been able to release, they start yep. to release. Yep. So I get in the car with someone who's not exactly always treating me the best. Then after I've wrapped up my pumping, finish the conference call, run in to get her, then get in the car again. I have to get her out of the car, drive in, get the boys from daycare, pack them up, talk to their teachers. How did it go? How was the day? How's Heathcliff's skin as we're in the midst of eczema mayhem? You know, all this stuff. 
get them all in the car, and then everyone is like just releasing everything onto me. Well, remember, get them home by about five forty-five, and then start dinner, Marjorie. Remember that last week we were talking about how when you talk about gratitude, it's a little happiness hack because it creates an upward upward spiral. Yeah. What you're talking about having the three kids in the car at the end of a day, you're a little stressed, they're a little stressed. That becomes the downward spiral yes. of how you get to enter your home. And that's exactly what I was doing. And I was walking in with the car seat, with oh, God. my work bag, the backpack with the baby oh, stuff, God. telling Bernie to grab her backpack and like tumbling into the house and then just being like, Honestly, Marjorie, thinking, I effing hate this. Yeah. I mean, that was literally what I was thinking. Well, of course and you do. Who I was like, I effing hate this. I hate everything about this. This sucks so bad. I'm number one, just totally exhausted. My kids are mean to me, and I'm really pissed that my husband isn't helping right. and he's not here. Right. Like, this is, those were, I mean, that's what was happening. Yeah, because you're exhausted, and it, it goes back to, and you, when you talk about this stuff, I can so... I get a visceral reaction in my body because I remember oh, yeah. that feeling of being overwhelmed and tired and, and mostly of the logistical crap. <laughs> yeah. I hate to yeah. put it that way, but it's just the stuff of it. Just getting in and out of the house, the stuff of it. And you've got winter coming at some point. And then it's just more stuff of it. And it's, it's, it's so too much. much. It's too much. And then I was hitting this point where Jay just like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he just, he gets it. Like, I just don't think a lot of men, I'm not going to typecast every man. I'll just speak for the one that I live with, but he would be like, I don't know you. Like, I know you have to pick up the kids, but I pick up the kids. And I was like, Mm. yeah, but when you pick up the kids, you walk in the door with them and I have dinner ready and you're not pumping milk while you're driving. When I pick up the kids, I'm working on trying to feed them and then get in the door and then trying to figure out food and get dinner out for them. And then I haven't eaten and then I'm snapping because I'm starving. It's like just nuts. And so I I finally like I had hit this point. My mom gave me a big talking to. <laughs> My best friend gave me, you know Tanya. Tanya mm-hmm. gave me a big talking to. You have been giving me this talking to. Mm-hmm. And then my new therapist gave me the talking <laughs> to. And yeah. when she gave me the talking to, I was like, "Okay, I think this needs to happen." And she said to me, "You have to get some help. And I said, well, I have full-time daycare for the boys. And I started telling her what I was piecing together for the summer. I was like, well, some weeks I have morning camp for Bernie. And then my mom will take her some Wednesdays. Then my dad will take her some Tuesdays. Then I've got a high school babysitter who I think I can do do Fridays. And she was like, what are you doing? Like, this is not working. And my assignment from my first therapy session was to find some help. Yeah. And get that help and then define what that help was going to look like. And so that's what I thought was also really interesting about this conversation was that, you know, I think we get into this mode if you are working outside of the home that you are you, you are only entitled to the care that is an absolute necessity, which is those exact right. hours that you are right. working. Those are the exact hours that you need child care. Well, I think – and. I don't think that's true. I've started to really broaden my horizons on this. I think you have to. And I'm I'm sort of, as you're talking about this, I'm remembering back to a lot of the discussions of who gave me the talking to. Because my nature is I'm an introvert. And then my nature is I'm also a doer. 
I'm very much like I can do all this. Yeah. And I remember as you're talking about this, I remember my frustration when you were talking about sort of Jay and you can only talk about the you know, the man that you live with. What would get frustrating to me, and I, I don't think he'd be hurt to hear me say this, is when I would get overwhelmed, he's like, get help. And yeah. my response to him would be like, no, I want you to help more. Yes. Like, I yes. want you. I want us yeah. to be able to do this. Which yeah, that I got was, like that too. That was really sort of, I think, an error in my thinking in trying to force him to be like me. And he's not. He he was perfectly happy to have people come in the house and help me. He was perfectly happy help us. I mean, that's even look at the language of that. It still helped me. It's not me. I know. It's us. And uh-huh. but but that was the early I think that was the earliest sort of conflict we had was I kept trying to pressure him to be different. And he just wouldn't, but he's like, I'm busy. I've got, you know, I've got I've got this to do. I've got this meeting. I've got to go here. I've got to do that. And then I would see him having downtime and be really resentful of that. It's like, no, I see the time you have there. But he (sighs) was better at saying, look, if we're both going to work, we need to pay for that privilege. You know what I mean? In a way, we need to take some of that and, and distribute it appropriately so that we can do what we want to do because we were both following things that we love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, it was odd to hear you say that because I just had this just flush of memories about that sort of conflict of, of that, that it, that I too had wanted. I, I felt like we should be able to keep that within our own little pod. And that's very hard to do. Yeah, it is hard to do because what was happening is the reality of the situation is that so much of the, that, you know, we've talked about this before, but like that mental load of motherhood, you know, yeah. I mean, it falls on me and it, it, I didn't realize how much it was exhausting me. And, you know, the reason why I'm having these conversations with this therapist is because I do not want to return to the place I was a year ago when I had a panic attack. And we yeah. talked about that with yeah. Dr. Bobby Wagner on the podcast. And so I am doing these like intentional things on a daily basis to try to keep my stress level lower to stop with that fight or flight always coming up, coming up, coming up, because then at some point your nervous system takes over as we learned and, and you end up where your body says, no, I can't do this anymore. So, and it's too much. It just, it is too much. It's too much. It's too much. And you know, it's funny because Marjorie, I always have people go, how do you do all of that? You do people say this to me probably like, four times a week. And I have often thought, I, I say to them, like, I don't know. I just like, everybody does this. Right. And then my therapist said, that is not true. (laughs) You are like telling yourself that the way that you run is the normal way to run. And she said, and maybe you can do it and you're capable of doing it. And she said, but it's clearly having an impact on you and on your body. And this is not sustainable. Well, and so ulti- this is really the impetus for all of this. And ultimately it would have, I was really good, I think at, well, I won't say that because I'm not sure about that. I'd have to ask the kids, but I think ultimately <laughs> it would have an effect on your marriage. For sure. Because when you say like you walk in the door and you're pissed, you're pissed at Jay. Yeah. And that's okay to say, because I guarantee you 
That's what women think when they're coming home and they need to make dinner and there's more to be done and they look around and the house is messy and the clothes aren't done. And in the end, it's probably going to fall on primarily on the women. For sure. And so being pissed at your husband and that, that to me was always the wisdom of what my husband was saying is, look, let's preserve the peace. What will it take to preserve the peace? Mm-hmm. Let's get the help we need. And then, yeah. you know, and ultimately, and I think this is where the discussion can go, is when you find the right people to bring into your life, they become this huge blessing to not only you, but to your children. And we can get to that point too. It's totally true. So we went through this process and I I put together a profile on care.com. So my sister said, do you want me to do it for you? And I said, I can, you don't need to enable me. I can do this. Thank you so much. Um, and that was my, my homework from my therapy session was to put together this profile on care.com. And I actually insisted that Jay, particularly for the first interview, be part of the first interview because I wanted him to like whoever we hired and know that person and have it be an equal decision Right. because we do occasionally run into like, well, this is, well, hello, what happened? Why is this your person doing this? Whatever. So, and also if if something ever went wrong, you want it to be a mutual decision. It's a mutual decision. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You should not have that on your back. Right. So one thing that I learned that I found to be really interesting was that I went on care.com, put together a job posting, and then they just kind of match you with people. And I started scrolling and the first person who popped up as a match, I just was like in a quiet space and just sitting. And I thought, oh, I think she looks great. And she ended up being the person that we hired, huh. which was kind of a, a little just friendly reminder to me to follow your gut feeling on these things right? to kind of, if you know, if you kind of see someone and you're like, oh, okay, I get like that feeling. Jody Levon, who's been a guest on the show, our, our psychic and medium, she would say you kind of get like that little lightness or like a little something right. in your stomach and then you kind of know that it was that person. But what also has been helpful to me, and I don't know if you did this when you were, because you know, I know you had au pairs and you had nannies mm-hmm. and all sorts of things. We did all sorts Number of stuff. Number one, I had to really remember that this is just a season of life. Yep. That, I mean, we are spending so much on childcare this summer, Marjorie, I could like, I, I could cry. But I had to remember this is, a, this is the most expensive three months because of the situation that we're in where Bernie does not have school in the summer and the boys still have daycare. And and Elizabeth, again, you go back to because you can is what is the price of peace? Right. I mean, ultimately, I think the goal should be to keep a family together and to keep a family happy. And it sounds, this is where it just gets tricky because like you said, you were sort of averse to the idea because it sounded so privileged. But I guess in my head, the way... I came to feeling good about all of it was to me, it was a privilege to work in a job that I loved. Yeah. When I was, when I had kids your age, I was, I was working for, for Harpo, which was Oprah Winfrey's company. And I was traveling all over the country. I had to have help. (laughs) Yeah. But what a privilege to be able to work at a place like that at the time of life that I was in. I just needed to make it work. And yeah. that, and, and I think that's where you are. You have this wonderful job that you love. Yeah. And so the fact that you can sort of cushion everything, and even cushion sounds like too nice a word for it, but to make everything sort of flow a little bit more seamlessly, that costs money. 
Yeah, it does. And I think the comparison game is dangerous. I mean, that's something that I'm learning, that the comparison game is almost equally as dangerous when you're looking at people that you're trying to maybe like live up to the way they live. Right. And then it's also dangerous when you're constantly, when you're making decisions about your life based on you feeling bad that other people can't do things the way that you live. It's it's like it's equal parts living an inauthentic life and and comparing yourself to somebody else and having that be your barometer for what works for you, what should or should not work for you. And I, I just don't think that's fair because when I and when I even like say this, I'm thinking like you can always just because like if I have a headache and I complain about a headache, should I never complain about a headache because I know someone else has brain cancer? Right. Right. It's always, but that's like the spiral that I was getting in of like, well, I shouldn't yeah. do that. I shouldn't do this. Well, what, I shouldn't. I, I think what what for me in in navigating, and you know, we're how much older am I than you? Ten years, fifteen years? Yeah, I'm I'm thirty nine. Yeah, so Almost I'm forty. Like I'm way older than you. Um, <laughs> but but the but the 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 questions were the same. The mm-hmm. questions were, should I be doing this? How can I do this? And I think I th- I do think it's tricky. I think you know I when you talk about comparison, my issues of comparison were very different than yours. Mine yeah. were that I was not working. I was working full time but freelance. So what that meant was I would work really hard for like six or seven months, and then I would take five months off. You know, yeah. so it was. I am very grateful for that period of my life. But there was still, you know, I had lots of friends that were finishing up law school, you know, they were on that track or they were whatever. So I felt almost like a slacker, like I wasn't working hard enough. But what it came down to for me was my only responsibility was to the two people, first and foremost, that I brought into this world, seemingly against their will. You know, they had no choice. <laughs> I, I brought them to this earth. That's and true. and then secondarily, in in one sense, to to my husband to make sure that we were keeping the marriage intact and friendly and happy and good. And it wasn't always, I mean, certainly we would, there were lots of times of tension when I was working and he was working and the kids were little because it's just hard. It just is. But I think it's, I think you're right when you, when you start in any way looking around and thinking, oh, I should do it that way or I should this way. No, you just look at your, because quite frankly, Elizabeth, I don't know who you can even compare your situation to. You were in such an odd job. I know. There's not even a comparison. It's like, all you can do is look at your little island and think, how do we make this paradise? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And then it's funny because every person I've said, Oh, we have someone at the house to help now. They're like, good for you. Yes. That's so great. Isn't it the best thing you've ever done? You know, and I'm like, well, okay. I don't know why I didn't realize this. Right. So we found, um, we found our nanny and I will keep her name. I don't know if I said her name last time, but I'm just maybe not going to say it. So she doesn't feel like I have to, I'm outing her and all this stuff, but she, right. um, we have her afternoons. And, and one thing that was really helpful was I did kind of like crowdsourcing of my girlfriends who have hired nannies and they said, it's really important to like set up some good expectations from the beginning and make a list of, of like household things that need to be done. Because for us, she's primarily just taking care of Bernie. Bernie's six years old and she's on her own. Right. It's just her. And so I need help with folding laundry putting the laundry away, 
watering the plants, going to run and get dog food, all of these sort of tasks that just pile up and start and are just constantly like on, you know, they're like a computer program running in the back of my brain all the time saying you should be doing this. You need to be doing this. And then every time I see Jay enjoying any moment of his life, I like... I'm so mad at him that he doesn't have the does list not running. have those things. He doesn't have the list running. And so therefore he's not checking anything off of my list. Right. And oh, I know that feeling. It's a very bad feeling. And I did have a friend who, who we went to dinner with who said that her mom, when she had three kids about our same ages and both two, two, you know, busy careers in the household. And she said, you need to get help or you are going to go crazy and you are going to hate your husband. Yeah. Is what her mom said to her. And then she shared that advice with me at dinner. And then I ordered another cocktail and then I got my money. <laughs> and, but you can see that from where she's talking about. It. And, you know, it's funny. I yeah. look back and I had caregivers my whole childhood. Like, and so it's weird to me. Like, that isn't a foreign concept to me. We had somebody that lived with us from the time I was in. Yeah. By the time I was six. And, and we didn't. Until my I was parents 12. pieced it together, and I don't think they were very happy right. about it. And right. I think it was a real struggle. Yeah. I mean, them like having a date night or something like that, I never remember that. Yeah. So, and I thought about though, like, what are all the things that I've invested in in terms of our marriage? We do invest in dates and time together, we do invest in therapy. I mean, we invest in those things. But if I was investing in someone to take, the weight off of the things that I am somehow responsible for, and then I can lessen the resentment that's building up on a daily basis yeah. around him, isn't that the best investment I could make in this family? Oh, for sure. I mean, don't you wonder about what the divorce rate is? And I've said this before on the podcast of people who get divorced when their kids are between zero and six. Oh, yeah. And 100%. I, I mean, just, look at Drew Barrymore when they got divorced when they were little. And I was like, oh, man. And I just feel like, you know, if you can make it through that period, because it's it, the, the the foundational problem, I think, for me in that period, whether it was justified or not. And, you know, I have a great husband. I, I know that. And he's a wonderful father. So we'd have to go into therapy to divvy up whether the resentments were fair or not. But, I mean, that would that's my my strongest remembrance of, of just being like exactly as you phrased it is why do I have the running list and you don't? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah. So having the list, my girlfriend's really recommended setting up those expectations. My therapist said, think about the tasks that you like, what do you really need taken off of your plate? What are the things that you want to just come home and have done? And then have that set up at the beginning that that's the expectation. So I actually, when I posted the job, it was for a nanny slash household assistant. Yeah. So yeah. it is doing some things to take care of our kids, but also managing when Bernie set up Bernie with some colors and then fold laundry and put it away. I mean, all the kinds of things that like as a mother, that's what I do. You know, I'm not like entertaining my children all the time when I'm with them. I set them up to do something. I go do something else and, um, and then getting that help. I mean, so the other day, Marjorie, I, so Jay's been traveling this week. Jay was gone Monday through Thursday Mm. for work. Okay. So I'm on my own Monday through Thursday. I have three children and I have a couple of jobs. Yeah. And yeah. I, and granted they're flexible, but it's still like they're flexible and then they're not, to you know, point. I obviously like, I have to be there at certain times. Yeah. So I, um, on Tuesday night, one of the nights it was very hot, but whatever I put 
I put a chicken, a roasted chicken on a pan and I put it in the oven. I set out the seasoning and the olive oil and I then left and I left our nanny a note that said, hey, please put these things on the chicken, put it in the oven at this temperature at this time. I was able to then come home. Bernie and our nanny were playing together. The laundry was full. She was just finishing folding another basket of laundry when I walked in. Which never ends. I had... Right. I had the boys with me. I'd only had to do one pickup. So I was getting home 30 minutes earlier than I normally get home. I walked in the door. It smelled like dinner because the chicken was already in the oven that I, you know, I prepped it earlier. She's popped it in. She talks about the day. It's the smell of something being done. The smell of something being done. (laughs) Yes. The smell of something being done. done. That needs to go on a (laughs) t-shirt. And then she helped me. Get the baby out of the car seat, held him for a few minutes while I set things down, got settled. Frankie's chattering. Everybody's chattering. And then she was like, okay, you know, we went through tomorrow and then she left. And I thought, this is the most peaceful I have felt when I have come home by myself in as long as I can remember. And I just thought this is totally worth it. And I should have done this a long time ago. You know what? You did it now. Yeah. You did it now. And you weren't ready a long time ago. <laughs> so, but you're ready now and you can appreciate it. And that feeling that you're talking about is, I remember that feeling so distinctly of coming home one night. So at one point in our young lives, when we were raising children, my husband was doing a talk show. I think he was either doing afternoon drive or he was doing like five to nine at night. Like it was some weird shift. So I would get home from work and it would be just me. And I remember yeah. coming home. It had been like a long day. I take the I took the train from downtown Chicago up to the suburb we were living in. And then I would walk from the train home, which I loved because it was just like 10 minutes of like, okay, clear your head of work, walk in the door. And I remember walking the door. It's such a great memory. And the kids were in their footy pajamas and oh. they were so clean. They were oh. just scrubbed as clean as they could be. And dinner was in the oven for me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is I so know. good. And they were happy. I know. And they were happy because they loved the woman that took care of them. I mean, she was wonderful. And you know, I think that's so sweet. And it is, that's what men came home to. Yeah, can you imagine? For generations before women went into the workplace. There are so many positives and I feel so fortunate to have grown up in a time when I could do absolutely whatever I wanted. That being said, it still meant that I have to do so much more other stuff too. And so that feeling of like coming home and the kids are settled and the house is in order and there's dinner on the table and there's a drink waiting for you. I mean, that is what men up until like 1965 had every single day. And no wonder men wanted women to stay in the home. (laughs) I mean, honestly, who wants to give up that gig? I know. I know. Although I don't really want and to subjugate. So, I don't want to subjugate anybody. I really don't. No, so, I know. But if you, but if you have like that, it, it's a collect. That's collectively. You know. I yeah. mean, collectively, there's there is a cost and a benefit to every sort of evolution, right? right. I mean, the benefit. There's such a benefit for for where we're at now, but there's also it also comes at a cost, and you have to recognize that, and you can't just deny it and act like, oh, it's fine. You have to make up for that cost, and I just don't think. That the cost of us having a dual, you know, a more equal partnership should be that then it's just more on me. Yeah, because then it's not an equal partnership. But I think what we have to look at, too, without without 
making the men sound like the villains in this, we have to look at it as what does equal mean? And is just, is it too much? Like, I think as women, we've taken it on because we think, oh, it's got to get done. And we have that running list in our head, whether it's good or bad. You know, my husband can leave the kitchen crazy messy. That drives me crazy. I don't like waking up in the morning and there are dishes in the sink and all of that. And so that's the running list in my head. And when I would complain about it, be like, but it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Okay. Well, but it bo- so so it just because it bothers me, it gets put sort of on my list. But at the same time, when we look at ourselves as women and everything we're supposed to be doing, we want an equal partnership with our husband. But I think in my own mind that meant, well, you've got to take on more work. And his thought was like, no, let's just keep it equal and get help. Yeah. And so it's kind of a paradigm shift where you're like, oh, okay, you're looking at this different. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I do think it's important when you're looking at hiring help. I was very intentional about this, about, I mean, to be honest, I was making sure that there were things, the things that she was taking care of are the things that I'm doing. Like we're not hiring someone to help Jay more. Here's just the (laughs) reality of the situation. I'm just telling you, like we're not. We're not hiring someone to, we have Miles who comes and mows the lawn. Okay. So right. that's like, we, that, Miles helps Jay. Yeah, that's, that's great. It, yeah. We're not hiring somebody to help Jay because that's not what we need. Yeah. We're hiring someone to take the things on that I'm just inevitably doing. Right. By and, default, um, really. And, and so that's why we're bringing somebody in. And then hopefully that will help make me happier, I, you know, just like on a daily basis, yeah. just not feeling so like frenzied and overwhelming, which then will in turn translate into Jay. But it wasn't, I was like, I'm not hiring someone to do the things that Jay is already doing. Cause Jay is, <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. But you know what the weird thing is, as you're talking about this, you know, it's just, I think about there was a there was a big trend like in the 90s maybe the early 2000s and you were in news at some point in there where they would do the news stations would do the story about you know the mom that's gone on strike she's gone on strike and she's not yeah. doing anything just to prove to her family how much she does yeah and i always hated those stories cuz i'm like how first of all so once she goes off strike she's still going to be doing all those things. Like, I know. I, I don't, know. Like it just, that always bugged me because it's like, how, when will, when will it be so different that the list that's in our head will also be in boys' heads? And I don't know that we can do that. Although I watch my sons and they both are beautiful cooks. They both, that's not even an issue to them. But at the same time, I think about, you know, they probably changed their sheets once a month. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they're not the same running list that I have, and I'm not outing them. They probably do it more. I don't know, but I don't think that's a priority for them. So I just, it's a weird thing to think about. Like, how will we ever get to the point where it just doesn't fall to women? I hope, I hope someday that it, I, I don't know. I yeah. hope someday. Yeah. You I just have to selling. raise them. I think the one thing that is, that might be helping is more as people get married a little bit later, maybe more men are living on their own right? longer. Right. And maybe even living with people who can either choose to stay or choose to go. You right. know, like right. if you're not going to be an equal partner, I'm not going to stay in this because we're not married and I can go. I don't necessarily think that that's like a terrible evolution of things. You right. know, it's like, let's make it that way because once you're married, it's harder to get out of. And there can be, it's easier to kind of take that other person for granted and sort of just get into those grooves where 
prior to that, you can go, well, let's set up what this partnership looks like. Right. That's a topic for a whole other podcast. Well, Listen, we got to go, Marjorie. We've been talking about this for a long time. We didn't even get to half the stuff we were going to talk about with picking a nanny. We're going to have to oh, do that did. again. I know. Because <laughs> I just ranted about how, you know, I was mad at Jay when I walked in the door. <laughs> this is a safe space, right, everybody? But Yeah, it's a safe <laughs> space. But I think we will talk about it because I, I do think all of the things that you went through in trying to find somebody I think are really important. And, you know, if we can be nothing else to everybody, it's just sort of a, a girlfriend that can put an arm around you and say, hey, this is what we did and this works and it's a good thing. Yeah. But, and if you needed somebody else to tell you, like – if you have the resources to get help and you can get help, then get the help. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. There you I mean, go. keep the peace, people. Keep the peace. Keep the peace. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.